I'm now connecting to Suli Kobayashi. Did I pronounce that right? Correct. That is, of course, um, your Bitcoin pseudonym, right? That's not your real name. Correct. Okay. So, Suli, we met on Twitter about a week ago. You're from the Lebanon. Um, and the Lebanon right now is one of the hotbeds of, let's say, hyperinflation. And we get lots of news and burning banks. And there was even a story about a burning central bank. And I tried to get into the story, but it's very hard from here, from Europe, to, 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 to see what's going on. So that would be, would be my first question, you know. Uh, what is going on? And who are you? First, what is going on? And then who are you? What's going on? And then who am I? Uh, what's going on is that uh, um, Samson Cho just commented the other day, you're all Lebanese, you just don't know it yet. That's what's happening. Um, I'm Suli. Um, I'm from Lebanon, born and raised. I'm excited to be here in Nico today. Uh, basically, I had a first-hand experience on saving my life savings through Bitcoin from the Lebanese economic crisis. Um, that was an experience of a technology, an asset, a currency, whatever you want to call it. It just worked. Um, and yeah, this is who I am. I've, I'm a former shitcoiner. I'm a Bitcoin rationalist now, uh, advising uh, individuals and institutions on Bitcoin adoption across uh, Middle East and Africa. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to be here. So let's let's maybe start with your personal story. How did that how did that happen? Uh, what time frame are we talking about here? Um, 2017. Uh, 2017. I started picking up Bitcoin as a as a stock uh, on the traditional markets. I thought I was owning Bitcoin when I was trading on an app. Uh, that's how it all started. Uh, fast forward 2019. Um, I started learning about self custody. Um, and then I decided that I want to empty my Lebanese bank account through Bitcoin, basically. Um, and that's pre-crisis. Uh, just, I mean, being doing the right things at the, at the, at the right time uh, is what happened. And then, uh, yeah, over COVID, it was an amazing um, opportunity to network with fellow Bitcoiners um, in Lebanon and uh, in the Arab world. Back in the day, like all of us, at one day we thought we were alone, uh, knowing this uh, this thing. And yeah, fast forward, it's uh, like it's, it's it's the passion that uh, drives me. And uh, yeah, I mean, everyone is now excited about Lebanon, what's been happening post two thousand nineteen, but. It's it's good to look at the, at the wider timeline and the inflation in Lebanon has been has started since the seventies. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, this is it in a nutshell. You you recently published a whole thread about the the, the, the history of inflation in the Lebanon um, since the nineteen seventies. Actually, um, what what happened there? I mean, how did we end up here? Can you give us um, a summary of of the last decade? Sure. I mean, a decade would be would be short, just because um, there's a a key event in the Lebanese history. Um, we have. Um, Lebanon civil war started in 1975. Okay, so pre-1975, uh, just to give you just a quick brief about Lebanon's history uh, and its location on the map, uh, for the ones who don't know, um, Lebanon is on the western coast of the Mediterranean. 
Uh, from the north and the west, we have Syria. Uh, from the east, we have Syria. From the west, we have uh, the sea. And from south, we have Palestine. So um, we just got our independence from the French in 1940s, 1943 to be exact. And it's all interesting to understand history just because it's all, uh, there's a, not only a historic context to everything, but also an economic context to everything. Um, we were colonized by the French. Uh, before the French, we were colonized by the Ottomans. Um, the Ottomans' gold standard adoption was translated in Lebanon, to Lebanon. And when the French uh, also st stopped their uh, gold standard, it was also reflected to Lebanon. Um, so 1975, the civil war started in Lebanon. It ended in 1990. From 1975 to 1990, um, the currency was at its best. And we're talking about one for every one dollar, it was equivalent to three Lebanese pounds. Okay, from 1975 to 1990. Now the civil war ended with an agreement where all the uh, warlords um, agreed on stopping the war, and they agreed on continuing the ruling of the country. The same warlords. This is what happened until today. Okay, so in 1990 there was an agreement, a consensus across all the parties. Um, with the central bank, uh, the central bank pegged um, the Lebanese pounds to the dollar. But in 1993, there was like a, a consensus whereby for every 1,500 Lebanese pounds, uh, it would be always equivalent to one dollar. What was the trick? Lebanon is very tiny. It's tens, about 10,000 square kilometers. Uh, if you want to look at the three main economic sectors um, they're all very weak. When it comes to agriculture, um, it all started with the Silk Road back in the day and then what the Ottomans uh, uh, worked on and then it never got really uh, developed, uh, especially with the, with the Civil War. Um, and then to the, fast forward until today, I'm going to just compare and talk about each economic sector. Um, the agriculture sector today with having the war in Syria and the uh, and uh, Palestine from the south were basically locked from any export, agricultural export. Um, the second sector, when it comes to the industry, um, industry has always been really uh, weak also, just because we haven't been uh, working on finding raw materials that can be helping supporting the, the industry, like local manufacturing. And third sector, which had been booming across the decades, is the service sector. And this is why you know about the Lebanese cuisine, that's like the Lebanese nightlife, and so on and so forth. But more importantly, is the banking sector. So in 1990, when they settled the war and they agreed like to peg it to the dollar, they created something called Lebanese secrecy, the Lebanese banking secrecy. In other terms, it was the equivalent of owning a bank account in Geneva before the lift of that secrecy in Geneva as well, in Switzerland. So by doing so, uh, it was basically an, uh, the biggest Ponzi started, attracting all random um, investments, uh, good and bad investors, um, all from all over the world, from the Middle East, but also from the West and the East to Lebanon, which built huge reserves for Lebanon. Okay, Now, um, there has been some initiatives to start uh, developing infrastructure and developing other the, the, the three main uh, economic sectors on paper. This is why we attracted hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars in loans from 
every single entity you can think of in the world. But what's really uh, contextualized on the ground, really nothing. We have bridges uh, that are still under construction for the past 30 years under loans. Um, and yeah, there's an infinite uh, amount of examples that any Lebanese can share with you. Um, yeah, it's uh, mainly today, like after the, the, the civil war and all these attempts of really like recovery, because like with every emergency and crisis, you have the response and the recovery after the response. Um, the Lebanon, Lebanon, the country hasn't really recovered. From 1990 until um, 2019, and October 2019 to be specific, uh, there has been this um, money printing, this um, central bank management in a way by, by the Lebanese central bank governor got multiple prizes from Wall Street and the Fed for being the best central banker in the world. And Google it and look it up. It's amazing. Uh, the guy is called Riyad Salemi, and he's still the governor of the Central Bank of Lebanon, untouchable guy. Uh, even though you hear on the news here and there that there are lawsuits against him, etc. But come on. And uh, yeah, I mean, to be pegging a currency for 30 years, it doesn't happen with a decision, uh, individual decision. And we all know that. Uh, it's linked to the local currency decision makers, but also the foreign currency to which this currency is pegged to. And this, this way, uh, in this case, it's the Fed. So uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the central bank's story in Lebanon, which is still ongoing. Now, what happened is that uh, over time, like any loaning entity, would require to see some rewards over time. Um, there were no rewards really happening, like loans not paid, euro bonds defaulted in 2018 or 2019, uh, the payment from Lebanon to the euro bonds holders. Um, and then the credit scoring um, of Lebanon to all the international banking sector really uh, went down. And it's been going downhill ever since. In October 2019, I think nine, October 19. One of the ministers went on public television um, advertising that uh, he's thinking of taxing WhatsApp to get income to the, uh, <laughs> to the Lebanese economy. And that uh, made uh, triggered an explosion uh, on the streets. And it's been like that ever since. So from October 2019 until today, today we're like end of February uh, 2023, the really the, the economic situation have been uh, cascading down, free falling. Um, what happened is that the people realized that it was a Ponzi scheme, an actual Ponzi scheme, meaning today, myself, my parents, every single Lebanese in Lebanon or any person who had owned an account, a bank account in Lebanon, can't access their own money, especially if they had foreign currency. So if you had... USD or Euro or Yen or British Pounds in Lebanon, they're just numbers on a screen. You can't get it anymore. Um, and if you try to get it, you'll be losing up to 95% of the value of that amount. If you go to Lebanon every day to withdraw money, you can't. You, you're like, you have a limit of, I think, $20 per day or so. That's if you can find money in the ATMs. Um, if you go to open a bank account in Lebanon today, you can't. If you, if you go to close a bank account in Lebanon today, you really uh, need to spend days to try to close your bank account. 
because the banks don't want you to close the bank account, obviously. Uh, you have banks calling, like they called my mom and my friend the other day, asking them if they're making any uh, euro or USD transfers. And God knows, like, no one can do transfers from the banks today in Lebanon. I, mean, I can go on and on. Very quickly. <laughs> on, so, but, is yeah, there, that's the situation. As you said, um, the, the acute inflation situation, we're talking about 2019 to 2023. Is, is, is there something happening right now? Is there a, a reason why, why, why we see banks burning right now and, and people losing it right now? Is there something escalating? It's all about your property. People think that when you have a bank account, it's yours. It's actually not. You've signed papers to the bank that your account can be held through an authority, a central authority. It's the central bank or the legal uh, sector or what or whatnot. We just keep on signing and clicking next, next, next to download the app or just to open a bank account. This is what we do. And when the shit hits the fan, excuse my language, I know like the censorship on your podcast but but basically yeah that you you give uh you give consent uh in an economic crisis for the government to put their hand on the accounts as they see fit right so today people can't access their 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 money the money is devaluing we mentioned at the beginning with the intro like in the 70s and 80s one dollar was equivalent to three lebanese pounds today it's eighty-two thousand lebanese pounds 82,000. So if my dad's pension, he was earning uh, almost $1,000 uh, a month today, it's like almost 30 or 40 euros a month. Huh? Imagine uh, dollars, that's even worse. So people can't like, people are furious. People like, it's still winter, so people are cold, but like, like people are angry. Yes, it's. I'm not with um, putting banks on fire. It's. Uh, it's not like legal in any way. But come on, taking people's money is also not uh, not legal. Trying to what what happened before 2019, like the last two years, when there has been some question marks about the central banks, what's been happening? What the central bank did, they increased the interest by 14 percent on Lebanese pounds. So they wanted you for imagine for every hundred dollars you would you would earn fourteen percent interest. That's that's one of the best businesses you could do. Um, that's a scam. So people are angry, and yes, people are like now attacking backs. And you have you've seen, of course, on on social media how different people went in and got their money by force from the banks. And these people are free today. They're not behind uh, bars or anything. Fix the money is brought to you by Twenty One Bitcoin. The easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. 21 Bitcoin is a Bitcoin-only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2. Fix the money.
So I did Google. Um, Riyad Salameh has been the governor of the central bank for 29 years, 256 days, which is completely insane. <laughs> one, one guy uh, at the central bank. Um, and, and just to put it into a second, because he said um, Lebanon was so tiny. I didn't re I, I honestly have to say I didn't know that. Um, so Lebanon has about 7 million people. Um, Austria has 9 million. But Lebanon um, is is ten is eight times smaller, so it's it's about ten thousand um, square kilometers. Um, we do have one thing in common: we have almost the same flag. I didn't know. I don't know if you know if you knew that, but it's like red, white, and red. But you have a nice tree in the middle. We don't we don't get the tree. Don't worry, we no longer um, have trees in Lebanon. So you don't like have trees? Why is that? I mean, yeah, we lost. The, we've been losing the green cover for the past fifteen years. That's another story for another day. But yeah, it's, like, it's just symbolic. What you talked about the explosion on the street, but there was also the, the huge explosion in Beirut that went around the world as news, of course, in 2020. What what role did that play? Did that did that topple the the economy into into chaos even more? You know, when you when you're watching a boxing game and uh, the knockout that makes the other person really not stand anymore on his feet, this is what happened to Lebanon. Uh, that blast, the August blast, the port of Beirut's blast, uh, really crippled and handicapped any anything in Lebanon. Like you have uh, a trauma traumatized population who hasn't really recovered since. Imagine with like all the economic issues, um, having a blast that is the strongest since Hiroshima um, on a on a capital. On millions of people you still have like 650 uh, special people with special needs due to the blast that no one talks about and you have people that really lost their homes ever since um, you have businesses that really collapsed during that were just on the port uh, that's also happening that happened with corona it happened with the economic crisis and that really played uh, a big big impact um, on everything and on top of that, you have this this Ponzi scheme created by the central bank. Um, I've read that even even um, uh, French President Emmanuel Macron called it actually a Ponzi scheme. What they did um, has anything changed? I mean, or is it just now still the the money is basically getting worth less every day, and that's it? Thing is, like it's this is not new for humankind. It's not the first crisis in the world that is very similar. Just like it's. It's receiving more attention because of the beauty of social media and the, the, the quick access to information nowadays and people's awareness and really people are becoming more and more free. Um, the currency is collapsing by the minute. Like you go to the different telegrams, channels, etc. And they give you like the visibility of the devaluation every 40 minutes. Uh, it's not like daily. It's, uh, it's And they talk about Bitcoin's volatility. Um so yeah, what's happening, it's ongoing. And uh, frankly speaking, I've witnessed uh, inflation in other countries, uh, um, other countries that have income. In Lebanon, like it's not Venezuela, it's not uh, Argentina, it's not Angola. Um, in the sense Lebanon doesn't have any income. Uh, it's not an oil-based country. It's not like uh, an export-based country. 
Um, and from this uh, criteria, I think the the rate is going to keep going uh, up and then um, it's going to infinity, literally in Lebanon, because there's nothing to hold it except getting an IMF playing the IMF World, uh, World Bank book whereby they put their conditions and then agree on setting pegging uh, the lira at a certain point. Other than this, there's no reason, there's nothing to hold a currency uh, whatsoever. Like any country can fake it, but they would be having some productive sector in the economy to make sure that you have some return. Like if you want to consider it as a company, the company is bankrupt with a corrupt staff with no point of sale selling anything. So imagine how would that function? You talked about your father getting a pension of forty dollars, right, um, instead of a thousand. Um, I mean, how are people dealing with this? How are people paying for their lives? What what exactly are they doing every day? Okay, you mentioned seven million population, and I think it's a bit. Um, I don't know the source of the of the statistics, but let's assume it's, seven million is correct. Okay. The source um, is always Wikipedia, obviously. Okay, it's, okay. so just because you have... Uh, let, let me just break down the population to give you a better idea. Uh, you have a, at least a million refugee, Syrian refugee in Lebanon. Okay. You have at least half a million uh, Palestinian and stateless people in Lebanon. Uh, from my last statistics that are outdated, we have about 4 million, 5 million Lebanese. Okay. Um, these Lebanese... Um, are mainly working in the service sector. Okay. The service sector that is based on tourism, based on political stability, if there is there was any. Um, what's happening today is that people are barely surviving day to day to really get their food, medicine, etc. Um, a year ago, there was a shortage for children's uh, medication and baby milk in the country. Um, situation is very it's catastrophic and i think the i don't think it's a fact that now the the this tiny country lebanon has about 17 religious sects actually actually 17 not about 17 it's as per the constitution we have 17 religious sects in lebanon um, we spoke about the war the 15 years war from 1975 to 1990 right and we spoke about how the country has been governed by so the population is also divided, unfortunately. Um, they're divided based on their political uh, color. Each political color has funding from different states outside Lebanon. And it's, it's a fact, unfortunately. It's an unfortunate fact. And before, like, um, it's, <laughs> it's like and the, 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 the game plays the same as other countries whereby... Whenever there is elections, the, the 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 people that are getting wanted to be elected are like funding people for votes, buying votes, um, helping people with like uh, food allowance, schooling allowance, etc. So today there is a when when the nineteen when the nineteenth uh, of October two thousand nineteen public unrest started. At the beginning, everyone went on the streets. All the political followers. The, all the political parties and uh, whoever didn't belong to any political party went on the streets just for a month. And then after that, each political party just noticed that, you know what, this is going to go out of hand. So they pulled their 
on uh, followers from the streets who remain on the streets, the minority, the minority that can't really make a difference. And today, whoever are surviving are belonging directly or indirectly to a political party. Today in Lebanon, the public sector is governed by these political parties. So um, they are just covered. They have a cover. And it's like also the Cantillian effect, whereby um, the nearer you are to the printing machine, you're doing okay. And this is how it is. The public parties are nearer uh, to the printing machine in Lebanon. Um, now, it's if you look at this, the the unfortunate statistics, crime is increasing, suicide is increasing, finding babies in trash bins is, is increasing, and you don't hear about that in the in the media. Why? Because like all the media, each of the politicians have their own TV channel in Lebanon, just like in the world. So uh, it is what it is. It's, it's just like it's unfortunate to see really like uh, things free falling and. In my humble opinion, we haven't reached the bottom yet. Mm -hmm. So do people have access to any like dollars? I mean, what, how are people paying for their stuff? I mean, literally, what, 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 I get up in the morning, I run to the bank, I get money or I try to get money or... I mean, we're coming to Bitcoin in a second. I just want to know, I mean... I guess that most people in, in Lebanon are not Bitcoiners. So, so I want to know how like normal people deal with it. Okay. So you have three types of people. If you wake up in the morning and go to work in the morning, um, you either go to your boss and tell him you need to be paid in dollars. That's one option. Okay. And many companies now to survive, especially like just like you have companies that are importers, uh, in Lebanon are able to uh, get their hands on on dollars and they started paying their employees in dollars or uh, partially in dollars. And this is very common whereby you get a percent of your monthly salary in dollars. Okay, It's not pegged uh, officially to the black market rate or to the bank rate. It's just like a month by month. This is one, one, type, of one type of citizens, how they do it. The second type is actually earning only in Lebanese pounds because their employer can't afford otherwise. And this is really scrapping the day-to-day -to, -day to see how they do, uh, trying to convert uh, as much as they can to the dollars. Uh, this is what they do. And you have the third um, new generation trying to find of creative modern ways, just like Bitcoin, to save into Bitcoin. Um or transact or to receive remittances from the millions of Lebanese outside Lebanon. And this is one of the reasons why Lebanon so far has been standing on its feet because you have more Lebanese outside Lebanon than in Lebanon. So, so they are sending money, but they will, uh, the, okay, let's, let's start maybe, let's start with, with your own story and to get into the whole Bitcoin thing. So how, how big today or how important is Bitcoin? Um, and and are people I, I I would I would uh, guess people are also using stable coins in this situation. How big? Like I know for a fact, in the first uh, few months from October 2019 till January 2020, more than 15 million dollars went outside Lebanon uh, through Bitcoin. Uh, 50 or 15? 15, one five, okay. which is considerable amount. Uh, and this is just like random numbers we 
shared uh, because like, yeah, it's been a, a booming sector somehow. Um, now, yeah, of course, because of the volatility, people seek stable coins just to make sure that they can um, use it without the volatility. This is mainly it. But uh, if you go on different uh, Telegram channels, um, you see that people are pricing their goods to sell in Bitcoin or in stable coins. And how many people? I mean, how I want to understand if how big the phenomenon is. If you go to one of those groups, how many how many people are okay, going to be in the, there? Okay, you're talking thousands, a uh, couple of thousands each. Uh, now, just to to give you just uh, some background, in 2013, our, our friend in the central guy, bank, famous, yes, uh, Ponzi, <laughs> not my friend, but yes, <laughs> he basically released a warning to all commercial banks warning all commercial banks from transacting or accepting any accounts in 13 already with, uh, so he knew what was up he knew okay. 30. he knew he made a fortune already yeah he knew of course he knew he got a i'm telling you he got a price from the from wall street and the the fed a couple of times he got pictures with the with the big guys so yeah of course they all knew nico they all knew um, so, so basically, from that warning alone, um, many people uh, got afraid, and many accounts got closed prior to the crisis um, due to that warning. Um, so it's it's not like illegal in Lebanon, but there is this warning, and then um, you have different efforts to make sure that uh, there is some education, and it's really the peer to peer, the P two P marketplace is really booming in a, in, a, in a sense where it's like almost a five-star service where you can get delivery people, representatives to your place, wherever you are. They have their own etiquette whereby they send you the Bitcoin and then you pay them, etc. Uh, pretty cool stuff. But it hasn't really um, trickled on, on the masses just because really the majority is suffering today and the majority don't have electricity or internet. Um, so we're talking about the basics here. Um, and, and like, I always say like humans only learn by pain or by curiosity, but unfortunately it's the other way around. It's only by pain, like only few learn by curiosity and, um, the Lebanese who were able to secure their, some of their savings into real estates or apartments and some started uh, buying watches, etc., and this is the same playbook that that uh, different populations play in other uh, countries. Some started hearing about success stories through Bitcoin and stable coins, etc., and this has, let's say, accelerated. Today, um, and we have um, the biggest uh, Bitcoin educational channel on Telegram. It's called uh, Bitcoin du Liban. It has um, like thousands of people and the level of conversations and questions and the content, the educational content that is being shared is really much higher than two years ago. It's true that the number of the group uh, members or and this is also it applies to the P2P marketplaces I was telling you about. Yeah, it goes with the price of Bitcoin. The price of Bitcoin goes up on the bull market and the, the members, the number of members increase. But in, in, in bear markets, you see the, the level of intellect and the understanding and the self-sovereignty and custody 
where it's becoming much more important. And frankly speaking, the Ponzi scheme that Riyad Salemi did is very similar to uh, SPF and uh, FTX. Uh, and uh, people are putting the, linking the dots together and they're understanding that this is not only Lebanon. But we're still very early still. Like, like you have people that I, I had, a, I was meeting with the deputy CFO the, like a week ago and he was like, yeah, but uh, if you're in Europe, you're st- it's still safer than putting your uh, money uh, in a Lebanese bank. I was like, looking at him, he's Lebanese. He lost his, his money uh, through this uh, central banking scheme. And he still believes that it's only about Lebanon. So we're talking about young people who are educated people who are still like a long way from discovering uh, this freedom, property, sovereignty, uh, truth. But like one one guy just told me, it's just like it's an, it's very similar to convincing a taxi driver with Uber. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a long way. It's not like very straightforward. It's it's interesting. I had. I had Mary from Algeria on the podcast just um, a week ago, and and with what you tell me, it's the same because in Lebanon, you guys, you you guys, you 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 really need this. You really use this, right? There's a, a difference between. You told me you got into Bitcoin as a speculator in the first place, and if that's, I mean, then you're one of the lucky ones, right? Um, who who knew about it and and got into it as a speculation, but right now you're not talking about it as a speculation. So you really um, you did your work, right? And I know this because you have a link list on your on your on your Twitter account. You have a link list that is longer than um, most uh, you know books. <laughs> it's, it's a very long list of texts that I'm supposed to read either in uh, in, in in English or or uh, other languages. So. Um, uh, I mean, how much time did you did you did you put into this? It's very easy. Have you have you have you have you taken the time to see how many hours you spent on Bitcoin? Uh, it's my full time job okay, so now. Just so just do the calculations. It, it's going to be definitely thousands of hours. Uh, I exceeded three thousand five hundred hours, I think, uh, last year. But yeah, it's it's like the thing is when you when you read about something that you like first and then you start to relate it to what you're living and really it's it's it touches your core and everything you believe in and you realize like it's beyond the states it's beyond any country in the world um yeah so and and about that list basically in 2019 and thanks to unfortunately corona um started connecting and going on clubhouse and spaces to um, spread awareness. Um, yeah, it's, uh, creating lists of different topics became handy instead of like repeating yourself and every attack vector on Bitcoin. So to refer, to refer people to these references. So hence the, <laughs> the long list. It's, it's, it's fascinating. So you, you started, I think you told me in 2017 because of the bull run, right? Everybody started because of the bull run and then, but you stick, you stuck with it. You stuck with it. And then in, in two, only two years later, it became important. Is there, can, can, do I understand correctly that there's no like legal way to buy Bitcoin in Lebanon with, with, um, the banks or is there, any, is, is it to cope complete only peer to peer? No, I mean, basically the, very, the cheapest is peer-to-peer, okay? 
Uh, well, it depends, of course. You have people taking advantage of uh, people who don't know uh, the space. But basically today, um, you can go to the bank, ask to open. Or basically, you need to have uh, big money or people who someone who knows someone to be able to open something called a fresh U.S. dollar account. It's not a normal U.S. dollar account because the normal U.S. dollar accounts now are frozen, right? So they call it fresh with more fees uh, and to try to, you know, the Lebanese are so good at like really marketing and doing services and stuff. So now you open a fresh dollar account and under that fresh dollar account, you open a new credit card with like exponential, uh, very expensive uh, fees. And then you use that credit card. The problem is, most of the exchanges have blacklisted Lebanon now. Okay, um, so this is one of the you can't really transact on uh, Coinbase, for example, or Kraken, etc. Um, Binance still works, um, but yeah, I mean, the the easiest what people do is they buy a stable coin from P as a from the P two P marketplace. They transfer a stable coin, and this is what I've done. And you purchase Bitcoin through using the stablecoin. So you, because then you buy you because buying the stablecoin is cheaper on the marketplace. But then you buy you use the then Bitcoin. But then you Correct. use the stablecoin in a peer to peer situation. Correct. Correct. Now, if you want to buy Bitcoin peer to peer, you can pay up to five percent, for example. Okay, YC, that's nice, but it's still expensive, five percent. So you can buy uh, USDT, for example, for a lot cheaper and sometimes really great discounts. Uh, and then you go online and just uh, buy Bitcoin with USDT, which is a good deal. You mentioned in, in, um, in the beginning that you saved your, your savings, basically, um, because of Bitcoin. Did you do that on purpose or was it just because you spec you put all your money in Bitcoin because you wanted to get rich and then realized that, that, that uh, the currency is not... No, is not... The... It was way before the currency. It happened just because, uh, basically, uh, I have a friend of mine who works worked back in the day in the banking sector, and he told me like, "Be careful, like don't." I, I, he knew that I started like trading, etc. He was like, "Be careful, don't buy Bitcoin or crypto using a bank." I was like, "Why?" And then he explained the warning from the central bank. And then I started researching. I found out that the, the owner of the only casino in Lebanon is the central bank of Lebanon. Okay, I was like the. The Central Bank of Lebanon owns the only casino allowed in Lebanon. And why wouldn't be able to gamble with my money if I'm free of dealing with my money? I mean, if I would take that uh, argument of gambling, even though I'm not like a high-risk investor. Um, so, frankly speaking, I was like, it only makes sense to start buying through my Lebanese bank account's credit card through that bank account and just FYI just a full disclosure I am also based in Europe so what I did is I have my European bank account for my running expenses and I had the Lebanese bank account still in Lebanon so I was like okay let me empty that it doesn't make sense to have both and definitely Lebanon's currency is going to infinity so I, I had the the conviction that the Lebanese uh, pounds is not going really uh, to the better and this is how it all started. And it only happened as a good timing, really. Uh, it's not like I was speculating in any way. I just uh, didn't feel comfortable, especially like I, when I convinced my mom first to 
transfer her uh, bank account from Lebanese pounds to the USD because I was telling her like, dude, like you you didn't learn from the civil war because in the civil war the same happened, right? And then the currency devalued to one thousand five hundred. So when she did that, uh, she told me, okay, but I still have like uh, a bit of money uh, at the bank with the in Lebanese pounds because just because I'm getting fourteen percent as interest. This is you know. <laughs> And uh, this has pushed me forward to really, this is, uh, that was going to be uh, a scam and it turned out to be one. It, it all sounds, I mean, you said that, that uh, the Ponzi scheme that the central bank was running, people are now comparing it to SBF and FTX and the whole interest thing sounds a lot like Luna. <laughs> it's really, I mean, yeah. it seems like the games people play are all, uh, the same everywhere. Huh? It's all the same. The tools are just getting modernized. You know, when we were kids, we used to have... Uh, fake sales reps coming to our door, like try to sell us like fact, uh, fake or bad stuff or like to to put advertisements for like really cool gadgets to call so they can get delivered. And then you buy them for like, I don't know, $20 and then you, you use them for a day and then they, they stopped working like these sort of uh, scams. Just like it, the scams always been there, like um, falsifying money always been there, uh, trying to imitate Money always existed, just like the the tools are getting modernized over over time. And now, like you have uh, uh, ChatGPT fake tokens in the market, like it's like it's like they're using the latest hype to to scam people. Uh, you said you had to, you, you, how long was your shitcoin phase? What was your favorite shitcoin? My favorite shitcoin? Everybody. I didn't have a favorite no? shitcoin. I was just like shitcoining. I mean, I, I was dealing with the top thirty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like a proper shitcoiner trader. Uh, yeah, I was lucky not have not to have uh, lost really money, but I wasn't lucky from a energy perspective and time perspective, where whereby like really when you really enter like the space, uh, I'm talking about really shitcoin trading, um, eighteen hours a day. You forget yourself. You forget your family. Oh man, that's ones. not that's not good for you. Even if you make money, that's exactly. pointless. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the that was the wake up call. Like, what am I doing? And uh, I call myself lucky because I know it was like many cases people just like got drugged and uh, lost a lot of their savings. So, two more two more questions. Um, first, let's, let's stay with Lebanon. Let's stay with 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 um, with Bitcoin for a second. Um, did I understand you correctly that there is lots of um, remittances now? Even uh, are people in the in the diaspora are people using Bitcoin today to send money to Lebanon? Is that happening? Not many, but uh, they are using stable mm -hmm. coins today. Just because, like, of this booming industry of Bitcoin slash crypto, because yeah, the stable coin uh, industry is also booming in Lebanon. Um, they need liquidity, right? So the liquidity pools in Lebanon are dried. So the diaspora sent, sends um, stable coins to people. People send it, sell it to basically offices, crypto offices in, uh, in Lebanon or in Beirut, and they exchange it for uh, for dollars. So it's basically like Western Union, but for crypto. And, and you told me in the beginning that you. You had um, your work brings you uh, all around the Middle East and Africa, and you had um, you've seen similar things in the inflation in Angola. Yes. 
Can you can you tell me about it? Of course. Um, so my first trip to Angola it was in 2014. Uh, there you have the Angolan Kwanzaa as a currency. Uh, I remember that one dollar was equivalent to 100 Kwanzas in 2014. It reached so the uh, Angola for whoever doesn't know it's uh, in southwest Africa. It's an oil-based country, very rich in uh, minerals, diamonds, uh, gold. Beautiful country, beautiful people. Um, fast forward, one dollar was reached 700 Kwanzas. Okay, today I think that it's 520 Kwanzas. Uh, what was interesting, and this is all be before I witnessed what's uh, what's happening in Lebanon, what happened in Lebanon post 2019. Um, the same capital control from the bank started. So if you were an individual or an institution, the country, uh, you were no longer able to transfer uh, hard currency or like whatever is called hard currency outside the, the country. Uh, price controls by the government to make sure that uh, yeah, prices are not uh, um, manipulated much by the importers. Um, and you see the same uh, human... Um, reflex and, and behaving in economic instability, um, the population started running for investing in uh, real estate, uh, jewelry, etc., just to store the value of whatever they had left, right? And uh, yeah, even but the, the thing is, one of my colleagues in 2019 was like, uh, I've heard like people are using this thing, Bitcoin, to uh, to move money outside Angola. Do you know anything? I was like, no, no clue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but anyway, good thing is at least we're learning. So, but yeah, it's um, it's very similar, very similar dynamics, very similar thing. The only thing is that, in my opinion, Angola did a great job uh, working on its economy, uh, trying to work on corruption, trying to really diversify the industry, etc. And but again, they have ninety percent or ninety five percent of their electricity is hydro. Uh, they have very rich grounds, very rich resources to use. And whereas in Lebanon, we still don't have any power plant without like uh, really renting diesel from outside to uh, to put it on. Imagine like, sorry, just a very funny fact about Lebanon. For a decade, the Lebanese government was renting Turkish power plants on vessels. So we had a floating power plant by the coast to uh, generate electricity for the country, and that was all rented instead of really investing in infrastructure, etc. So, yeah, different countries, very similar inflationary environments. The population's behavior is always the same, regardless of the geographic locations. Um, the IMF, in order to start helping any country, start to push the countries to uh, to work on the different uh, different. Um, rules whereas when it comes to uh, local manufacturing and uh, working on corruption etc um, few make it really few make it and um, god knows if lebanon will make it but before we see really any productive um, economic sectors um, starting soon we're not gonna see anything except like the lira going to the moon like uh, Dean said the other day Dean is from lebanon right He's Jordanian. Uh, he spent a lot of time in Lebanon. He taught in Lebanon and now he moved back to Lebanon. Oh, he's now in Lebanon? He is in Lebanon, yes. 
so he he just just wants to be there to see it all burn down. I guess I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, if I don't know, uh, Lebanon is still. I mean, if if you know the country, you know people. Um, financially, you're doing okay. You're being productive. Um, it's highly recommended to at least visit. Okay, I mean, it, it must be beautiful in the end. You know, we we talk about we talk about Lebanon in these inflationary corruption terms and explosion, but of course, I mean. Uh, I've I've never been I've never been I've seen I've seen many many um, movies that are that are uh, I know um, placed in Beirut right so you, you you hear a lot of a lot about a lot of great things I mean there are a couple of Lebanese restaurants here in Vienna and the, the food's great man the food's great <laughs> um, so so what do you expect um, maybe as a last question what do you expect to happen for the next couple of um, months in Lebanon. Um, and and what is what are your plans regarding Bitcoin? What what are you what are you up to? Um, for the for the coming months, um, so I guess summer will be coming. As with summer, people like we like we're Mediterranean people. Uh, we're very warm people, and we get angry super fast. We're like uh, flammable almost. Uh, which means summer is going to come with a lot of, uh, I think people are not going to stay home uh, because it won't be raining. Um, one thing is, I really hope people don't adapt to the crisis because you see people adapting, really. Like um, adapting to the ugly reality doesn't change it. Um, I really hope uh, things change for the better, but from a currency point of view, it's going to keep devaluing. There's nothing to hold it back, seriously. Um, so this is how I see it. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm totally wrong, but this, these are just facts. And uh, when it comes to Bitcoin, we're going to keep doing what we do. And uh, for me, it's like uh, keep spreading the word. And uh, yeah, I'm exploring mining um, outside Lebanon. Uh, so that's that's for me as well as uh, contributing with uh, my fellow Lebanese Arab Bitcoiners to uh, educate people, more people, and this is how we do it. I mean, we can't rely on the marketing department to do it. No, there's no marketing department. Do you, what are you doing? Are you still like podcasts or YouTube channels and Telegram groups? So, what is, how exactly does it work? Um, I I don't have time to start mine, so I just uh, contribute to others. Um, and this is how we do. Um, my friend uh, Marco has the biggest educational group uh, in Lebanon. It's called Bitcoin du Liban. You can uh, check the website. It's bitcoinduliban.org. Uh, on the bitcoinduliban.org, you have a section for communities. You click on the communities and there's a Telegram channel you can join. And you'd be more than welcome to uh, add value and uh, meet everyone and see the different nice discussions happening. If we understand it, right? You're not doing this in English. Oh, it's all in English. Oh, all so in English. We, 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 speak, we speak English. We have English-speaking people, French-speaking people, uh, and Arabic, of course. That's great, man. Is there anything, you know, you know people from Europe or the, or the US could do to help? Let's work on a Cash App version or a Strike version uh, which is an on-off-ramp to the Lebanese pounds. I mean, we spoke 
about this with different people. This is, it comes with a lot of intricacies from a compliance perspective. Yes, we know. Um, but whatever is happening today, I mean, I know if there's uh, anyone interested in um, working on a Bitcoin app that is suitable, I know that Galloy Money has an amazing open source um, one. Uh, but again, a pool of money is always needed, right, to transact and do the the transaction. So there isn't really an ongoing project for Lebanon, but there, I know that there are many that are trying to contribute as much as possible. Um, something that would definitely is interested to check, it's an Arabic uh, Bitcoiner uh, called Arabic Huddle with the Twitter handle Arabic Huddle. He has an amazing website. It's called bitcoinarabic.org. Uh, he's from Egypt, and Egypt today is going through a huge economic crisis that is just starting. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it would be good to check his website. So, so the guy who's doing the the, um, the Bitcoin Duli Boy is Marco, right? That's what you said. So I I um, actually realized that he's already following me on Twitter, so um, that's cool. And 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 I I don't know, but do you know Rahim Tarisadegan? Rahim Tarisadegan. Mm -hmm. He's an economist from, no. from Austria, but he has roots in Iran, and I think his wife might be from Lebanon. But he, he spent like the last the last I I did a podcast with him here in Vienna today. He's he he knows all about Bitcoin. He's brilliant. He oh. he's like a lexicon, right? And I asked and I told him that I'm talking to a Lebanese Bitcoiner tonight, right? And he said like something. Ah, it's Marco. <laughs> right? uh, yeah, Mark, Marco started it really a great guy. And uh, I highly recommend you have a chat with him. I will. Well, last question, and then I'll let you go. Um, you told me that you are um, in Europe, based in Europe as well. Um, do you see, besides the, the, the inflation rates, do you see any other warning signs that we are already going down the, the Lebanese um, um, uh, uh, way, basically, here in Europe? You don't check the value of your euro today compared to how it was two years ago. I mean, it's already an alert. If you... If you go to any uh, snack or restaurant, you know, or like a mini market, supermarket, go ask the owners just by a percentage. They would appreciate the questions, but I've, I've been doing it as an exercise. Uh, just the corner shop of the any street, just ask them, how much did it did, did the goods increase in percent this year compared to last year, etc. And how, how has it impacted their income? Um, and you would have a feel that Things are happening all the same way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, today you still have the same stupid um, answers from the banks and calling you. And I, I got, oh, by the way, I, I was like, I was traveling for work and I wanted to make sure that uh, my credit card was working because I had I supposed to, uh, to have a new one that I hadn't used. So I called. The operator just by mistake terminated my card uh, on the phone, even though it was the card I was asking not to, not, not at least to be able to use it during my trip. And like all these useless banking sectors, uh, questions, answers, um, inefficiencies, and they keep like charging you for more money uh, for it. So really, it's it's all the same. It's all a, just a matter of, of time. And uh, But to be fair, it's not like Everyone want to be self-sovereign, Nico. Uh, people want to rely on others to take care of their wealth, especially the big money, unfortunately. Um, but 
if you don't want to own Bitcoin or buy Bitcoin, just learn about Bitcoin. And uh, I hope others learn from the people who were able to survive using it. Well, I know it uh, here in Austria because my main channel is, of course, in German. And I, I know about a couple of people who would listen to the podcast just because they know me, because I was in the media even before the whole Bitcoin thing. And, and they would, I mean, after listening to 50 episodes, you're going to buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> um, all right, Suli, this was great, even though it's a sad story, but it was great talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. Um, We should do this again, um, and I hope next time you have some 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 uh, better news. That you know, the guy in the central bank who is now in his thirtieth year, he turned it around, and it all it all went well for Lebanon. I wish you all the best. Um, um, yeah, talk to you soon. Thanks, Nico. Thanks for having me. <laughs>